fashion. Fashion. Beauty. Beautiful. You have no style or sense of fashion. My name is Joyce, and I'm a shopaholic. I like my money right where I can see it, hanging in my closet. So I am going to show you guys how I do my makeup. This is my trusty makeup bag. I already have my foundation and concealer on. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Welcome to Fashion Avenue, the podcast for fashion and beauty lovers to get inspired to follow their dreams by hearing from special guests while also soaking up the latest news and what's trending right now. I'm your host, Amber Lowther. I'm a journalist and fashion professional who understands what it's like to have big dreams and wanting to reach them. In this episode, I'm joined by journalist, author, designer, and fashion host, Catherine Eisman. Catherine is the definition of having done it all, from working for major television networks in the US and Australia, starting her own hosiery label, and creating her own TV show with Paramount Plus. She is unstoppable. I chat to Catherine about how she broke into the the TV world and how she noticed she had the ability to read everything about a person just by what they're wearing. And I even got Catherine to read me. Now let's jump in. Catherine, welcome to Fashion Avenue. How are I'm you? so good, Amber. I love Fashion Avenue. That's such a fun name for a podcast. I'm so excited to be oh, here. Thank you. Very inspired by New York, which I know you've spent a lot of time I have. On. But I wanted to have you on just because I just feel like everything that you've done is so aligned with my own hopes and dreams. You're so successful mm. in everything that you've done and I'm just so like in awe and inspired <laughs> by you. And I feel like I just want to know everything about you, your story, your career, and your life. So I'm just so excited to chat to you and literally find out everything. You're about, about to be really story. disappointed, Amber. So <laughs> I should probably end it right now if you feel that way about me. <laughs> Leave one fan. No. Thank you, Amber. No, it's it's so exciting. And, we yeah, we certainly seem to have a lot of shared passions. Absolutely. Mm. And I think for this, I wanted to start from the beginning. And I want to know what you wanted to be when you grew up. Oh, when I was younger, I I had different passions and they seemed really disconnected. I was absolutely obsessed with with writing and reading and words, just obsessed with words. And I used to write this really depressing poetry when I was younger. And I remember my parents would say, like, are you, are you all right? And I was like, no, I'm just expressing, you know, it's just... And I always feel like even now when I go through anything traumatic in my life, it's the best way to to express it. But even when it's not traumatic, just to express joy. So there's something very pure about the written word in terms of the direct contact you have with with a reader. Um, and and I also was, of course, obsessed with, with fashion. So during my uh, lunch breaks at school, I would like head off to the library like a really cool girl and... <laughs> As all the cool girls do and by themselves. No. And I would read whatever magazine, fashion magazine subscriptions that, that they had, which were not very good. I think it was 17 magazine. And then I remember when I was older and I like had my own money, I would go and buy like W magazine and like French Vogue and, you know, and I would read it like it was, you know, like the Bible, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and then I also really loved uh, drawing. So I was, you know, art was something that I was very passionate about. So just always a very prolific, illustrator and drawer in particular 
And then I also love communications. I loved entertainment. I love the idea of making people laugh and think at the same time and really more than anything live, live, whether it be just, you know, I was always that person. I think my husband said that the only time he ever heard me say anything in my speech was, sorry, in my sleep was me saying while I was asleep, sleep talking, I'd like to propose a toast, you know. I'm having a great time. I wish it was as good when I wake up, you know. But I just really love like a live invite, you know, where you're like with people and you can connect and you can make them laugh and you can feel the energy of the room. Anyway, but all these things were completely different. And I really thought it was really challenging for me because I didn't know anyone that had combined all these different aspects. I thought you had to pick a lane, you know, be an artist, be a, you know, whatever it might be, journalist or – and um and so I kind of ended up just fumbling my way through and, and finding a way to bring them all together. So I remember when I wrote my first book, How to Tell a Man by His Shoes, which is obviously written word using, you know, talking about psychology, which is obviously a deep passion of mine, another thing <laughs> to add to the mix, um, and then fashion. And then my publisher asked me to illustrate it. And then I was, then I had the book tour afterwards where I'd go and be able to speak to people and do TV and, 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 and communicate through that way. And it was really the beginning of me figuring out that you don't have to feel like you have to just pick one lane. I don't think you can do multiple things in different directions all at the same time. I don't think you make enough headway and I've certainly done that and, and it's not the best way, but there is a way to think about, okay, what are the things that I'm really passionate about? What do I love? Is there a way I can combine them in the one thing? And then you just feel completely realized in a way and you have, and yeah, and you're unstoppable. And that's kind of how I kind of bumbled my way to figuring that out. I just feel like, I just feel so connected to what you're saying. Um, I completely agree. And I think it's so cool that you had these passions as a young, like a kid basically. And then now you're, look at everything that you've done. Like it's absolutely insane. And I love that. And it's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in how you first got into TV and how you ended up like creating a career for yourself in that broadcast. Yeah, world. it's a tough industry because it's not like they advertise for a job in it. They're not like, you know, I don't, I don't, I've never, none of the TV jobs that I've ever had have ever had a job opening. You know, they kind of create that position for you or with my latest show, you, you create the show and then you do it that way. So it's, it's definitely difficult because if you're looking for an opening, you'll never, you'll never really find one um, in 95% of the cases. It's tough and it can be disheartening for a lot of people, but I think uh, for me, I studied communications journalism at UTS. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and I did love telling stories and I felt that that was a really great place to, to start for me. And I remember being in my uh, journalism uh, lecturer's class and at that time my first book had just come out and um, well, I was still at uni and I'd been booked on this show Beauty and the Beast, which was this panel show with a bunch of us saying, I think you're a little bit young to remember it but so am I no I'm just kidding no I'm too young to remember the show I was on no it's total sense right and um and so I was I said to my lecturer like oh I'm actually going to go on this show it was with like Ita Buttrose and all these people and she's like that's not journalism and I thought oh okay and so there's all there's dip- but Ida Ida is journalism. She, she's the queen yeah, exactly. so I was like she thinks it's journalism but um and then soon after I graduated I um 
I worked in television, but while I was studying communications, I, during my semester break, I went to New York because I was obsessed, obsessed with New York, just always felt that that was my city. Just like your body tells you when you arrive at a new city, whether that's maybe you lived there in a past life or it's just, it's the the physical, um, geography of your internal geography as a person. And that is for me, Manhattan. And I had done, I agree. I kind of somehow figured out to do three things while I was in New York during my semester break. An internship at Fox News for Bill O'Reilly, which was actually a really good experience for me. Um, I did a life drawing class, you know, with, with, with um, naked, oh. naked people. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I worked as an intern. And these are all internship things apart from the life drawing, which um, I don't know what that was. That was just being a pervert. <laughs> and um, and, uh, and then do, doing an internship at a, a magazine. I was part of Condé Nast called Red Book. Not the coolest magazine in the world, but fine. And I remember realizing that, okay, the thing that I felt the the, I had found my place was when I was on the newsroom floor surrounded by all these other lunatics running around. Everything was urgent. People were direct and it was, there was this amazing energy and this kind of a very specific type of person that would thrive in that environment. And it's not for everyone. And I was like, this is it. I found it. I found my place, you know? And, and so then when I, I, I finished my degree and Within, I didn't even get to go to my graduation ceremony. I just got on a plane, moved to New York, and then ended up being a guest talking about my book on different morning shows and Good Morning America and the Today Show Today in New York on WNBC. And then they were like, that went well. Would, would you like to come back? Do you have any other ideas? I sent them this whole laundry list of ideas, the poor guys. And then after appearing, you know, a variety of different times and I writing those stories, you know, like a proper, you know, you're a proper journalist that you don't have a producer or anything. You just, you come up with the idea, you research it, you pre-produce it, you field produce it, you come back and write it and then you do it live behind the the anchor desk and, um, and they create a position for me. And so I just stayed in New York and that's where I was. That is a dream. Like that sounds like a movie. <laughs> Including living in an illegal structure on the rooftop, you know, like with no running water because the pipes froze. I was like, oh I remember covering God. a story where the living conditions were so bad and, and it was about like when, because it's so cold in New York in the winter, obviously, that it goes below zero for a, a large percentage of, of, of the, you know, the hard winter time. And these people were on the news where I was cu- covering it because their pipes had frozen because, you know, they, you know, didn't work. And I was the journalist covering this story <laughs> and I had my pipes oh my I mean, not my, you know, my, my pipes in my apartment. Um, anyway, and anyway, but it was amazing. It just shows you that if you really want something and I just, I would have done anything to stay there and work there and then you build from that. But it was yeah. from very humble beginnings there. Yeah. Can I ask, this is probably a, a bit of a random question in the mix of that, but, but were you like sponsored by Workplace to stay there or like, how did that even work? I was so not sponsored. In fact, I had I I remember <laughs> I got a journalism visa um after like after a while, but it wasn't the correct visa for this particular role because it was a full-time role at NBC and for some reason, even though you think it was right, it wasn't. So I this is I mean, I <laughs> hope no one comes after me, but I remember <laughs> I would get paid like every two weeks you would get your this back, you know, you get like your pay slip, you know, with your check. And I was so scared that if I actually cashed it and I was on the wrong visa, that somehow I would be that someone would find out. Like I was still on a work visa. I did still manage to get a, you know, but it was not the right one. And 
I remember I just kept all my, I kept like all these pay slips for, for, for almost a year until I got my O1 journalism visa, which is, um, takes a long time to get. And then I remember going to HR and saying, so I don't think, I don't think I've been paid. And they're like, for the last year. Oh my god! I was so scared. I just didn't want to risk being thrown out of the country. Anyway, it sounds mad now, but I mean, I just—if I'm not taking payment, because that's what it's all about. Like, if you're earning income, and so you can stay there. But if you're earning income and whatever, so I just didn't want to risk it. And that's—I was eating cans of tuna at night, you know, while I was an on-air reporter, you know, (laughs) NBC. And then they were like, yeah, I think we should sort this out for you anyway. So, and then, and then I got journalism, but no one sponsored me. No, I didn't even know where I was going to sleep the, when I first got there. I arrived with my bags in a snowstorm and I just, it really like made me so much tougher and, and, sh- and I kind of proved to myself that, okay, like if you really do have, <laughs> you know, like the gumption, you know, it was, nothing was handed to me. Um, I was very lucky that, you know, things worked out the way it did, but it was certainly nothing. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of um, cold nights, hustling, doing whatever yeah, it took. It's mm. amazing. I love that story about the pay slips. It's like you were scared of like men in black suits. Like, we don't want to mess with immigration. <laughs> like there are two things, like the IRS no. and immigration. They're like, I, I think I'm a bit of like a healthy rule breaker, but not when it comes <laughs> to those. It's like very terrifying. I don't know if anyone's ever been through security LAX or whatever it is but and it's you just don't mess like that's it's like the I'm not, I don't want to get in trouble with the police like I'm fine like yeah handing in a library book like like you know what I mean <laughs> I always say like better ask forgiveness <laughs> and permission like I am that person but not when it comes to those three entities you know so they're pretty they're, they're pretty serious. serious they're serious <laughs> yeah I get it I get it and so where did you go from there? Because I know you ended up being like head of fashion and lifestyle at E! News, which is like, <laughs> I can't even fathom. <laughs> That's just incredible. Where did you go from that role to then? Yeah, sure. Again? So I, I was in New York for five years working as the features reporter for, for WNBC. And that was amazing. It's like someone gave me the keys to the city. So one day you're interviewing, you know, <laughs> President Bill Clinton and, you know, then Mayor Giuliani and then wow. you're responsible for all New York Fashion Week coverage and then you're interviewing this amazing person who's changing legislation because they lost their baby brother falling out of a fire escape window. And so it was just this beautiful um, front row seat to, like, everything that New York had to offer and all the humanity and the highs and the lows. And it was, and, and you get to write these stories and they were long. They were like, I mean, it doesn't sound long, but they were like at least five minute long things. And you would, I would, they're like my mini movies, my babies, you know, so they were so great. And then I moved to New York after, uh, after that. And I really just wanted to move to New York because I, at the time, E! News was really like, you know, the, the heartbeat of pop culture. And I realized that New York was really about news. But if I was going to be in LA, it didn't make sense to be in like a second rate news environment. So I was like, yeah. what was LA? LA was entertainment. So, and I somehow ended up, I remember I had found out that there was this position to be the head of fashion lifestyle at E! News. And I was a few months pregnant at the time when I found it out, found out about this wow. role. And I emailed them. I thought, okay, well, if I start straight away, if they hire me, then at least I'll get to work for like seven months and I can do a maternity Anyway, and they kept on having all these um, changes with executive producers and all this stuff. And so by the time I stayed in contact with them, by the time the opportunity came to meet them for the first time for this role, and they already like 
had been in communication with me for months because they're saying, oh, sorry, we're having a few internal changes. And I'm like, so am I. (laughs) (laughs) And I was seven months pregnant when I was, and I was like, if I tell them that I'm pregnant, I'm scared that they won't want to take the meeting with me, even though they, and I really know that I'd be perfect for this role. And I had a a lot of internal struggles, not just with pregnant, you know, to try and figure it out. So I showed up to meet the executive producers and I was seven months pregnant. And you're like, you're like, (laughs) and, and then I took on myself as this mission to like, just convince them because I knew I could do this job and I could bring some of the journalistic integrity that I'd learned and then bring it to this space and, and make it more, you know, anyway, and to their great credit, they gave me the job and then they waited until I had the baby and they called me up and they said wow. they, they didn't start before and they said it was like I think it was like a week after and they said it's your first child like do you still want this role we've held it for you but do you want it and I said yeah I do and I they said well how long do you want you know like on maternity leave I was like oh you know from Australia I'm like can I have three months and they're like we can give you six weeks um and so six weeks wow. after having my first child I remember going, uh, I started this, this big role and yeah, and it was wild, but anyway, I don't regret it. My God, that is like, I can't, wow, that's just incredible. And it's really amazing that they were like willing to hold that position for you that <laughs> you were pregnant. And that's what I know, I do. know. I mean, oh I waited. Oh my God, it doesn't mean you're I'm not capable. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and I think it's great that they did ask, like, do you want it? Because sometimes you ask your first child or second child, whatever it might be, you may decide and it's a valid decision to say, you know what, I don't want it. But I remember having big talks with my mom and, and I, you know, I was torn about it because it is hard to leave, you know, um, I mean, I would rush there and rush back and was, you know, made up for it as every way I can being so present, you know, with, with her. But it, it was, it was, you do feel guilty, you know, you have a baby. I mean, you don't have kids yet, but do you know, you don't get too young, but, um, but it's like they give you the baby, but they also give you like the equal amount of guilt. You know what I mean? And it grows in equal portion. Yeah. You feel bad if you're not, you want to be the best mom ever. And if you're, you know, you feel guilty for any second that's wasted when you're not with them. And, um, and so I was, I was kind of grappling with that. And I thought my mom said to me, she's like, you moved to LA for this role. Like you didn't even, it wasn't even available when you moved here. Take it, you know, do it. And, and they supported me, you know, through that. And, and I think it was really the, the right decision for me. And I'm so glad I did it, yeah. And I think it comes also into that debate of like a woman having to choose her career or a family. And it's just like not a thing. That's not right, you know. Like we should Yes, if you want it all. And sometimes you want it all at different yeah. times. And I think it comes down to like knowing yourself and saying like, okay, where will I be more energized? Now, for a lot of women, that would be, I mean, it was exhausting, like I won't lie, but they would, they would say like, listen, this is much as I want this, it's just the wrong timing. And that's, I would respect that decision, but I know myself well enough. And I know how, how much energy I get from the work that I do. It makes me a better mom, you know? And so I, you know, it doesn't mean I didn't have moments of, you know, feeling guilty or all of the things that, you know, I didn't go to so many, I was like every best event, I never went to it because I, you know, like, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, where were you a year ago? I would have had the best time. But I, but, um, but yeah, you can do it all if you want to, if you want to, and you shouldn't feel guilty if you don't want to do it all at once as well. I think that's also an important message that young 
women or women of all ages need to hear as well. Absolutely. Mm. It's so important. And I just, yeah, I fully agree. That's just, um, it's interesting. I'm obviously not there yet. I'm, what, 29 this year. Not quite there yet. But, um, yeah, I, it's something that I'm thinking of ahead of time, like, I want, what if I'm Yeah, broke? you can. So, and I do think things like yeah. COVID in a weird way because it restructured how we work and, you know, and our corporation or businesses comfortability with working from home and having more flexible hours. I do think that we're in a better position than we were, but I think we certainly have ways to go, but we're on our way. Yeah. And so with this role, were there any highlights that you had and how long were you in this role? So there were so many highlights. Um, I think what was the most interesting, yes, you're interviewing, you know, all the Kardashians and Kim and Kylie and and I used oh to do, I, cause I was in charge of, we were the broadcast partner for New York Fashion Week and also the Met Gala. Wow. So I, you would do all these, I would do all these exclusive packages with people that were really on the very kind of forefront or up and coming in pop culture. So I remember doing Kendall Jenner's first ever Fashion Week and when she was, and practicing her wow. walk in the thing and her trying to, this young girl nervous about it and, oh. Hayley um, Bieber as well doing hers or I remember Gigi did wasn't even modeling at the time and how and and, and then wow. you know Kanye West uh, Taylor Swift Selena Gomez I mean pretty much the you know like I feel like you've you know you've, I've interviewed and then like and then for uh, for years I was also the entertainment reporter for Sunrise on Channel 7 so I would do a lot of their exclusive interviews yeah. so with Robert Redford and Kate Blanchett and Margot Robbie and so I've had this ability to you know chat this opportunity rather to to chat with some of the most kind of iconic pace people in the world and Bono and you know everyone but I think one of the most exciting thing is just the ability to look behind the curtain to understand that they're just people as well it kind of demystifies stardom whereas here if, if I was in a restaurant and you know one of them walks a bit you know huge celebrity walks in you're like you're you're in that fan mode but when you're a journalist, it's your job to come yeah. up with questions that kind of create interesting conversation. And so it's a more even playing field. You have respect, admiration if you know really love their work, but you get to speak to them as a human a bit more. And I think it was really good because yeah. now I don't, I just have no, I'm just very rarely starstruck. Even though I admire their creativity, I, you know, it's, it was good for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And it's, it's so yeah, as you said, it's so important being a journalist, having those skills, and not being like a <laughs> fan girl because that would also that could yeah, be people there, everyone, well. and that's um, the thing where everyone's a person. You know, everyone has to exactly goes lies in their bed at night and sleeps and has to go to the bathroom and do and has the same issues. That's the whole point <laughs> of it. And I think that if yeah. you do speak to someone's humanity, it's not only a better interview, but it's a more truthful experience for both of you. No, yeah. And you did say you were entertainment mm. reporter for Sunrise um, correspondent, and you know you've also done what today the morning show in the US. How did your career snowball into these opportunities? Like, how did Sunrise then become what you were doing? Like, how? <laughs> how did that happen? I was also doing stuff with the morning show on Channel Seven, which was amazing, and doing some. We were doing like feature packages. I, I, I pitched like, oh, let's do these feature packages, and um, and. Awesome. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And um, and they were really great. And then and then Sunrise was like, oh, we're doing like we've got a rooftop concert for the Jonas Brothers. Would you MC it and do that? So I think 
look, I, there have been times where there hasn't been so much opportunity as well. Like it's not like every day you wake up and it's like every dream job's calling for you. That's the truth is you, that's just not part of being in media. And if people want that, it's just the wrong industry. Yeah. But I think that when you do get those opportunities, I think just always try and do your best, you know, try and like, how can I be excellent at what I do? Um, it doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm sure I've made a million mistakes, but just try your best all the time. Do all the work, do all the research. Like I don't go to an interview where I haven't spent a lot of time researching that person, that whatever film or show, like I really, because they, that's my job. I'm not there to just talk about myself. The whole, I mean, you see that sometimes with journalists and especially in entertainment where they're trying to be so funny the whole time and they're just talking about themselves the whole time as you don't even hear anything about the person there. And I'm like, that's, and some of them do really well, like they've got great careers and that's fine, but that's just not been my style. I, I don't, I'm not here to talk about me. I mean, today I'm here about talking about me, so sorry about that. But, um, <laughs> but normally you're doing me, you know what I mean? But like that, and that's, that's yeah. the job of, of the reporter, the journalist is to, and, and so I think you just do that. And then also don't be afraid if there isn't an opportunity to, to, to come up with one, create it and to be a bit entrepreneurial in how you think and, and not just be in the employee mindset. Because I think one of the things about social media and the way things are going is that it's the democratization of media content. You know, your podcast, you know, you don't have to wait for a big network to come and tap you on the shoulder and give you a chance. You can give yourself a chance and find an audience maybe bigger, to be honest, the way that things are going. And that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I needed to hear that. Um, (laughs) I really do, actually. We all do. Me too, sometimes. Um, yeah, it's um I think it's really about like creating your own reality and creating your own dreams and I think um being in that mindset of yeah, you don't have to, you know, have these big networks or anyone to back you to then create that. Yeah. It's um it's hard to get out of that mindset. It really is well. because it's new. It's chain it's 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 a fairly recent phenomenon. You know what I mean? And we and I do think yeah. women we're raised, you know, like to be the good girl and like, you know, please that, you know, and it's in that kind of very boss employee, you know, mindset is somehow ingrained into our philosophy of how we think like. And so I often have to like stop myself and say, just create it. What do you do? You know, I, I even still doing it. And I just created, you know, my new show, which we'll talk, hopefully talk about Undressed with Catherine Eisen on Paramount Plus, which I'm so excited about. Yes. And still, I still have to, some, I still have a part of me that has to remind myself, like, you don't need, no one has to hire you. You just hire yourself, you know, you don't, <laughs> and you'll get paid more in the end because yeah. you'll own it. So I just, we've got to remember that sometimes, yeah, right? absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of creating things yourself, coming up with your own ideas, undressed on Paramount Plus, I'm obsessed with it. You just, it's incredible. You have an ability to read everything about a person just by what they're wearing. And that is just so incredible and interesting. When did you start noticing this ability within yourself? Quite young, actually. I remember going on a trip to Italy with my family and it was with my dad and brother and we're at an airport in, in Venice. And my dad went to buy the tickets and left my brother, who's like a year and a half older than me, and I to watch the our suitcase. And he was just looking in a shop window and this guy came up to me, like older. I was probably about 11 at the time, um, 12, something like that. And 
started asking me directions in Italian, which of course, unfortunately, I don't speak. I would, and also don't know my way around Venice train. To, anyway, and I was looking at him. I remember he was wearing this camel cashmere coat and these kind of br- brand new, like very expensive looking brown monk strap leather shoes. And I remember looking at his face in this big scar here and he just, and I remember thinking, this is so strange. Anyway, my father came back and noticed our video camera with all our memories from the holiday were gone. And I said to my dad, Oh. It was this man and his face didn't match his clothes. And I just knew that his oh. wardrobe was a lie because you know, it's the ability, you read the clothes and read in connection to the person itself. Is it authentic, you know? And yeah. and we anyway, we chased him down. I found him. He had an accomplice. It's a whole story. We didn't get stabbed. But it was a, it was, oh it was a really crazy Thank thing. God. We couldn't find him. Then we saw him. And then we was with an accomplice and who was dressed radically, you know. And But I, I just – and then – I just always saw it and I always feel like people look at fashion and they think, oh, it's so superficial. It's so, you know, I, I don't care about fashion. It's like, listen, if you're getting dressed, you're participating in this conversation. You are expressing yourself yeah. subconsciously through the clothes that you wear that day because they are the visual manifestation of our mindset. Whether we want to admit it or not, it is true. And so by looking at clothing you can i i'm able to understand the thought process that goes on you can see their aspirations you can see what limiting self-beliefs they might have about themselves that are manifesting you know what and there are so many clothing clues in there and, and it's it's a beautiful way of, of getting to know someone very very quickly interesting i'm so interested in this and this ability of yours when did you start to really like properly lean into it and really start working with people to do this and is there like can you give me an example of what you look for or if there is a particular yes. place where you start yeah like, i always think so i someone? when so when i was younger as i mentioned i wrote my first book how to tell a man by his shoes because i think the shoes particularly for men but also for women really is such an interesting way to start because there's this component of it being functional so there's a, there it has to be somewhat pragmatic for their life and then also there can be the you know aspirational style component of it but you have to walk in your shoes not just like a watch which might be who you want to be or you know um the shoes are like who you are yeah. and so I think, well, the best thing to do if you want to learn is really to watch Undressed with Catherine Eisman on Paramount Plus because it really, I really was passionate about not just revealing what we saw with the people in the circle, but sharing tips and things so that it's impossible to watch it and not think like, oh, I do invisible dressing or I do defensive dressing or I do uh, this or that, you know, and, and so there's a million ways. But but I think just to take notice and look at it, like, do you have a lot of elasticized clothes on, you know, do you, have you lost that discipline in your life and things have just stretched out and you feel that, do you wear the oversized black t-shirt, which is the uniform of the, someone who wants to be invisible? Are you wearing, um, a lot of hardware or really tough fabrics, which is kind of, um, defensive dra- dressing. So when you've gone through past hurt, you often use clothing as a form of armor. And you see this with people who've gone through, um, remember Rihanna when she had that Chris Brown moment with, and she started kind of weaponizing herself through fashion. She went from soft, colorful, silky dresses to like studs and leather. And, and so, I mean, there are so many different things that you could do. And and we try and cover so, is it time capsule dressing where you 
get stuck in a certain phase in your life because that was probably when you felt most relevant and happy and and you aren't able to progress and as a result it kind of reflects that your life is kind of stagnated and how to and and I also want to show you not just point it out but but also you know also the fun best parts of us not just down down you know trauma it's also like the best qualities in us as well through color and fabrication and um but also if there is something that you're not happy with in your life that shows up in clothing I want to also give you the tools to to shift that you know in the show in in, in Undress with Catherine Eisman we talk about this you know saying like if you change your clothes can you change your life and we set challenges I set challenges for people and move them out of a certain way of thinking and dressing and then at the end it's it's kind of a, it's pretty amazing hey this is this week's news and what's trending First up, Priceline have announced the winners of their Health and Beauty Awards for 2023. The most iconic is Lucas's Pawpaw Ointment. The best cleanser is CeraVe's Hydrating Cleanser. Best serum is The Ordinary Niacinamide. Best lash and brow is Maybelline New York Lash Sensational Sky High Mascara. Best hair color and styling is Batiste Eden Bloom Dry Shampoo. Best sunscreen is La Roche-Posay and Thelios Invisible Fluid SPF 50+. The best face moisturizer is The Ordinary natural moisturizing factors plus HA. The best body moisturizer is Ego QV Ceramides Moisturizing Lotion. The best beauty dupe is Maybelline's Instant Perfecta 4-in-1 Glow Foundation Makeup. Best tanning is Bondi Sands Aero 1-Hour Express Tan. Best foundation and tint is L'Oreal Paris True Match Nude Plumping Tinted Serum. Best hair care, Hask Arden 5-in-1 Leave-In Spray. Best nail is Sally Hansen Complete Care 7-in-1 Treatment. Best newcomer is Maybelline Superstay Vinyl Ink Longwear Liquid Lipsticks. Best fragrance is Marc Jacobs Daisy. Best lip is Revlon Colorstay Suede Ink Lipstick. Best face prep and set is Elf's Power Grip Primer. Best bathroom and personal care is Shoal Velvet Smooth Electronic Foot Care System. Medicine cabinet must-have is Hydrolyte Orange Flavored Erivescent Electrolyte Tablets. And best vitamin is Ostalin Vitamin D3. You can shop all the winners at Priceline now. Iconic Aussie self-tanning brand Bondi Sands has sold to Japanese cosmetics giant Kayo Corporation for a massive $450 million. For the Bondi Sands story, make sure you listen back to my episode with co-founder Blair James. Snoop Dogg can really do it all. He can rap, he can cook, and now he's a shoe designer. Partnering with Sketches to release a collection of unisex street-ready shoes, and they're available for purchase now. Luxury fashion house Prada has launched their first skincare and makeup line. The skincare line includes cleanser, serum, and moisturizer, while the makeup line has eyeshadow palettes, matte lipsticks, foundation, makeup brushes, and a beauty sponge. Now for what's trending this week, there's a new shoe trend going around on TikTok and it's called the wrong shoe theory. It's essentially where you choose the wrong or less likely shoes to go with your outfit. This is to not be predictable or boring. So it's time to choose the shoes that don't match your outfit at all if you dare to try. 
It is incredible, just the transformations that you do, but not only externally, but internally. And that's so important. Mm. And I love seeing the transformations. It's Ah. just like mind-blowing. The work that you do, I I honestly love it. And it's such a unique concept. And for anyone that loves fashion, I would definitely recommend, you know, diving into watching Undressed because it's such a different way of thinking and it makes you think about... Exactly. Exactly. And you said it so well as like it's, Fashion's great and we love fashion. A lot of people, I'm sure a lot of your listeners love fashion, but the real magic of fashion versus just beautiful art or anything is that it's a form of self-expression. So you don't get to walk around with your art collection on your body. I mean, you can't, could, but you know, maybe in New York City, who you? <laughs> I saw a few of those people, but um, actually, but I moved back once because I saw a guy walk around with a parrot on his shoulder and no one looked and I'm like, this is where I need to be. No one's oh. even looking at him strangely. What could I get away with here? But um, but clothing is just a – it's like when I, you know, interviewing so many celebrities for so many years and actors in particular, and I asked them, like, when did you feel like you inhabited your character? When did you become this role, this Oscar-winning role or whatever it is, or even there on stage, you know, Beyonce, you know, Sasha Pierce. And they invariably say it's when I put on my character's wardrobe, their clothing. That's when I start walking different. I feel different. And it is absolutely no different for you and I and everyone else. That you may not be a movie star or, you know, a rock god or whatever it is, but we're all the leading ladies or men in our own movie. And I always just think it's such a wasted opportunity to walk through life dressed as the wrong character because it really does make an impact. And so I want to help people figure out who that character is and then finally dress it. So yes, the world responds and sees you and, and gives you that positive feedback. Nice. But you look in the mirror and you say, I see me. I see me, you know, and that's, that's real transformation. Oh my God. That was the most amazing. I, I, I don't know. I'm just like, so, um, I think I've always looked at fashion as a way of, you know, self-expression and always had fun playing with that. But I think watching Undressed and seeing the transformations that you make has really just made mm-hmm. me lean into it a little bit more and really look a little bit deeper into why I'm wearing something and, like, mm-hmm. if that's if it reflects who I am. So I just think everything that you said is just so incredible and you've really taught me a lot just by watching what mm-hmm. you do and how you read people. And I just – I love all the things yeah. that you pull out of someone and <laughs> – what they're wearing it's honestly an art it gets deep very quick doesn't it (laughs) it does it does and I'm just watching like I know that's the thing and what are we and this is the thing it's not about like it's just about self-knowledge right how great is it like we're we're always changing we don't we can never fully know ourselves but you can look at what you put on and say like like what does this say where am I at in my that's a way of checking in you know am I doing okay you know like am I doing okay yeah am I in a bit of a a rut here do I need to push out of it or do I you know it's a it's a beautiful way of kind of checking in on other people but also on yourself yeah I love that so Catherine I have sent you a few photos of myself um and some outfits I would love to know what you think they have to say about me yeah sure what you're okay so um let's focus on two of them which are quite different actually so the first one you sent me uh, is this kind of, kind of, I would say like nude skin color um, dress, and then you have like a matching shoe. And the shoe, describe it for everyone, is the kind of it's like a nude, mm. um, like perspex heel, um, like here with a block, like. A block and then the other outfit, which was straight after, was yeah. this like black leather, like leather 
pants or leatherous pants, black top, and then like a black shoe. And it was so interesting when I saw that, I thought, okay, two, two quite different things. One is so vulnerable. Like you're, you basically look naked in that photo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've got like the nude dress on in the colorway. Yeah. You've got the, the see-through heel in a nude fabric. And so, and then the other one is like all black, you know, obviously very sexy, but beyond deeper than that is it's, you know, there's, there's edge. That's when you're trying, you know, feel empowered and strong and that you can do it. And I think that that really speaks to who you are right now at this phase in your life, where I think you are naturally a really vulnerable person, which is beautiful, which is a wonderful quality, by the way. It doesn't mean you have to, to be soft is different to be weak. So I think you have a, a real softness to you, yeah. which is what I saw in that first outfit, you know, and and a desire to to be really seen, to lay. I think some people still at your age or at any age want to have all these barriers up or, or put out a certain image of who they want to be. And I think we all do that to an extent, myself included. And I think you partake in that just like I do. But I think underneath that is you do actually really want to be seen. Like I think you more and more and I see where you will go is to be more and more honest and I think you'll find it even more empowering as you do that because that's that will be your strength actually and then the other side is you having to because of the sharp edges of life you know I remember like when I moved to New York I felt like a marshmallow in a city of of kind of steak knives you know and I think that that I can see that yeah. that's sometimes how you feel as well. And so you put on your, it's like your Sasha Fierce, but you know, your thing, because you think you, it's yeah. like a psych up of an outfit. It's like, this is, I can do this. It's, that's what that outfit represents. And I think as you become more and more comfortable with the vulnerable version of yourself, you will feel even stronger that you won't even need the other one because you will feel like it's a radical <laughs> transparency is a kind of Teflon in a way. I know it doesn't feel that way, but that's, so that's where you're going. So I saw that in you. I don't know if that is at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That's um very true. I would say that I'm a very like sensitive person, Um, but in the same realm, I, and yes, you're right. I do want to be seen. And that's been something I've been battling with, especially the last few months, Um, really struggling with that internally. But then I do feel like a boss bitch when I'm wearing, you know, the leather pants or when I'm wearing the tight jeans and heels, like that's me getting into my boss mode and that's me yes. being like, well, screw everything out. A hundred percent. It's a psych work. up and outfit, you know what I mean? It's, and I love, it's like the pep yeah. talk in physical yeah. clothing, you know, like, yeah, you do it. Like sick of, you yeah. know, like I'm just going to do this. And so that's the two. And I think they're great. I think it's healthy to have that, you know, that's how it is. But in terms of where I see you going, I think yeah. that the second outfit, the leather is a kind of a reaction to the fact of like it being tough to be that it is tough to be vulnerable, but I think that you'll stop caring as much. You know what I mean? Like, I think that sensitivity that that hurts as much, I'm not saying yeah. you will always be a sensitive person, never lose that. But I think you'll realize that it's also a strength, you know, not a weakness. Yeah, thank you. That was amazing. I'm just, I'm shocked. But you, you literally hit the nail on the head. I don't know what I was, I don't know what to expect going into that. But I'm really glad with everything you said. It was really spot on for me. Everything, especially mm. about the vulnerability and and all of that. You really um got that one right. <laughs> Which you're probably not um 
you're probably very um, used to hearing that because the transformations that you do in undress, it's like everyone's just like, oh, yeah, this is just so strange. Cooking, it's incredible. less so. <laughs> I can, uh, I can relate. At least you try. <laughs> well, let's talk business now because you started your own mm. hosiery label, High Hill Jungle, and. Where did that idea, where did it come from? I just was always, you know, to, to the point of the messaging of undressing with Catherine Eisenhower, all my books, how to tell a man by shoes or how to tell a woman by a handbag or even just telling stories. I, I <laughs> follow me with that one. Um, I always just yeah. thought that, you know, getting dressed, I think getting dressed, fashion has become too serious. I think hopefully it's, we're seeing a little bit of fun again, but you know, you see people with their like monotone, you know, like everything's nude or, you know, it's all super like minimalistic, which is fine if that's your particular style. But I think there's a lot of pressure, especially in Australia, that's such an aesthetic here, you know. And I think that people are like scared that they're going to get it wrong, you know. And I, in my book, there's no right. It's only wrong if it's not the right reflection of you or it hurts your chances of becoming and or living the life that you want. Then it is wrong, but it's not like a bad outfit. Well, sometimes it is a bad outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's not about dressing for your body type or making you look thinner or, yeah. you know, it's about expressing yourself through the joyous empowerment of fashion, right? Get dressed in the morning and have fun. It's a way to be creative, not scared or stuck. And so I thought, you know, I, fashion in the, the fashion world is so saturated. There's so many things. And I thought, what if there was just like one item of clothing, whether, you know, that could express who you are? And you don't have to change your whole wardrobe. You just put it on. Suddenly you feel seen. Suddenly it's fun. Suddenly it's, it's a conversation starter. And so I look, you know, and I realized that in the sock and hosiery world, this, there was just nothing there. It was such a wasteland of creativity and self-expression and also even like beautiful quality designs. You know, there's, there's you know, the socks with whales on it and golf clubs, you know, for the guy. And then there's like sheer you know, yeah. black tights and, you know, there's just really not much there in the world. And I thought, why don't we create that? So I created High Hill Jungle. I remember at the time I was pregnant with my second child and I was so, I was getting so pregnant. I was getting all my samples made and carrying it. And I was like, and I remember thinking this may fail, but it won't fail because I didn't do it. And so I knew, I felt very passionately about doing it and created this line and I would wear them to my junkets where you do all the interviews with celebrities and, and, just because they were fun, you know, and all the the makeup artists and all the celebrities in in the room would say like, "What are these socks?" And sometimes I've I've got videos of them asking me to take them off my feet in the middle of the God. interview and put them on that. And I was like, maybe maybe there's a business here, you know, like maybe <laughs> oh I'm God. not the only one that thinks that there's a gap in terms of expression through that. And so I created High Heel Jungle then, and we got picked up by Fred Siegel straight away. It was meant to just be a pop up, and then it became their permanent wow. collection in in West Hollywood. And now we're in Nordstrom and Anthropology and Free People and in Australia we're in David Jones and they're iconic and, and many and beautiful boutiques. And it's just been so much fun to like be creative and do what I love because I really, oh, another one of my passions when I was younger was fashion design. You know, for year 12, I said, what are you going to your 10 year reunion? I was like, my spring yeah. summer collection, you know, um, how annoying, right? But how fun. And um, <laughs> yes. so I just, I love it and it makes people happy and, 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 and it's the, you know, and it's just a joy to do that. Your designs are just so fun. I absolutely love them. They'd be like, it could dress up just anything and you just always mm. look amazing. I, I absolutely love them. It's such a cool idea. Was there, what was the most challenging part of starting your own brand? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, having a few other than books, I'd never really had a physical product. Like I, I guess I was the, the, the product and, and there's just a million things that just <laughs> go wrong. You know, you, you're getting samples and you want the sizing to be right and the fabric and then delays and, and then having the time to even like, and, and getting the right stores. And then you get requests from different styles, which is great. And then have, so it was like, I was like a one woman operation. And so I would often do it like at nighttime, you know, I, I, I think I got like the flu like three times one year because I was working such crazy hours at nighttime because I didn't want, you know, but I think, yeah, I just think anytime you're in a product related business, there's so much I don't, there's still so much I don't know, to be honest. Um, and so many, you know, systems and software and barcoding, all the kind of not sexy part of running a business that yeah, that you have to kind of learn as best you can or get to a point where you can, you know, afford to hire someone that knows all that and then you grow and um, and expand and that's, you know, what we've done. But um, when I say we, it's just really me, just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, we're in so many countries, we've got warehouses here in Australia, we've got warehouses in the US, you know, and there's always just, you wake up in the morning, there's always, you know, things to attend to. and But it's just like anything, anything's anything worth doing probably is going to be challenging in the at first because you're, on a learning curve you don't know it all you know and not to feel disheartened by the fact that you don't know it like how would you know it you know like you know how to breathe but you know you know everything most of our skill set are taught you know we we'd grow born walking we had to learn that it's no different for anything else so not to be disheartened by that and just you're going to make mistakes I'm sure I have made a million mistakes and will continue to and that's how you grow yeah absolutely I love that I think that's very you know realistic advice and it's not all smooth sailing if that's anything that I've taken away from you know into interviewing all different people with different businesses for this podcast that's probably the main one of the main takeaways that I've heard the most you know 100% there's this really great line and it says don't compare your backstage to other people's front stage you know and it's that's and that's the problem with social media for the large extent and that's why when I even do I did a shoot yesterday and I was shooting backstage and they were trying to take like cat hair off using stick tape because I want to show that it's not all glamorous and you see all these stories oh this entrepreneur at 30 that sold her company for half a billion dollars and this person and and I guess because I have been privy to to some of the the people that are the media write about the most in the world and I know that it's not perfect for them either. It's not perfect for me. It's not, it's not, it's not going to be perfect for any of us. And I think we have to, I know we know it and it's not just the filters that great. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't have to put on makeup. I'll just put, you know, like it's, I get it. Like I, I'm not against it, but we do just have to remember that that filtered version, whether it be physically filtered or just selective information sharing is not the truth about business. It's not the truth of success, the truth of success and business. And certainly my life is constantly feeling like you're failing and constantly feeling like you're not doing enough or, you know, whatever it is. And just to keep going and to try and learn from it and to try and still be a good person, not lose your enthusiasm. That's really what success looks like. And everything else is just PR. That's great advice. I'm loving everything that you're saying. I'm like, I need to take notes when I listen back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness we have a recording, I hope. (laughs) Exactly. So obviously, you know, you, you do so much and you've done so much. I'm so interested to know what a day or a week looks like for you (laughs) because how do you function I don't no um (laughs) I know I think it's just the ability to be adaptable so you can't do all the things at once so you you know it's you just 
juggling balls and you know so what's the most important thing and the most urgent thing and then also obviously prior for me prioritizing my family and my two kids I've got a nine-year-old and a a four-year-old and um they are absolutely first for me like that I know you know so go to an event stay home with my kids stay home with the kids so you know what I mean like not I mean I actually have to have a little bit more fun but 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 always being mindful of like okay what are your priorities number one so that helps you gauge your time you know but then also I do have a lot of career demands and things like that so I still need to be working a lot and so every day is really different like before this I was doing voiceover for this new holocaust museum that's about to launch in, in the Gold Coast and then the day before I was doing a shoot for a fashion brand and then between that, I was handling all of our, we just got some big orders from anthropology and making sure that's there. And then there's just a million different, you know, things happening all at once. And you just try and do each one and not think about all the others because you get overwhelmed. And then some that, you know, you never finish everything in a day. You just try and chip away at it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I don't know how you do it all, but great advice anyway. Just focus on the one thing. I'm like one of those people that just... No, you can't because it's overwhelming. You know, if you think about everything you need to do, it's too, you, you don't want it, You won't do anything. You'll be like frozen in a state of fear. So you just think like, okay, what helps is a, a to-do list, but knowing that your to-do list can change because you get a random email that changes your entire day. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen that often, but it can. Or And then prioritizing what's the most important, the 80-20 principle, which I do some of the time, not all the time, but, you know, 80% of your results and success comes from 20% of the work that you do. So don't waste your time on the 80%, do the 20%. And that applies to pretty much every facet of life. And then when you're with it, like whether you be with your kids or whether you're, you know, writing a book, or I'm on this podcast with you, or um, I'm designing a, a sock collection, or I'm filming my show, which was, you know, 14 hour days, six days a week for a couple of months. I'm, I'm just a hundred percent there, you know. And then when I stop, I'm a hundred percent gone, and then a hundred percent the next thing. And just be comfortable with the fact that you are not going to get through your to do list. You know, it's just not. It's not possible. For sure. Yeah. Very realistic advice, which is good to know. <laughs> no one's magic. Maybe it is, but not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm really interested, Catherine, with what's coming up for you next. Well, I'm very excited for um, people to, to find Undress. So that's really exciting. So on, it's on Paramount Plus right now. So you can stream all of it, which is exciting. And then doing versions internationally which is exciting growing high heel jungle the sock brand i want to write my next book i want to be good mom maybe go back to pilates <laughs> <laughs> i've just gone back to pilates can recommend <laughs> it's the best it's it's so it's such a hack isn't it? it's like for me i used to run a lot and i i can't do it because my i hurt my knee and I really was like, what's my thing? I missed my exercise and, and Pilates. I mean, for those who know, I know people love yoga. I get on a sensitive subject. But for me, Pilates is like one-stop shop. You get strength, resistance, toning, cardio. Oh, my God. It's everything. Yes. Yeah. I love reformer Pilates is like everything. I'm not a Matt Pilates girl. Reformer Pilates is magic. <laughs> magic it literally is and I've got to get back to it <laughs> oh you got to I feel so much better than I have so take this as a sign 
It's a sign. It's also like a bit of meditation because you have to focus on your form so you can't think about that to-do list, which is, so it makes you mindful. I've got, I've started back doing my TM meditation, which has been really good for me just to still the mind as well. And I do think you get that version. Um, you get some version of that in, in Pilates because you have to concentrate so much and you can't. But um, but TM, Transcendental Meditation, is amazing um, as well to just kind of give you a bit more perspective over your life so you're not in the in the, the weeds of it. You can kind of see things in a bit more macro level. Love that. Oh, I love all that spiritual vibe as well. It's very um, up my alley as well. So I might have to look into that type of meditation. I just... It's really amazing. A lot of... And there's a lot of great research. Harvard Medical School's have done all these scientific um, studies on the effect it has on the mind. And if you search celebrities TM, you'll find this. It's some of the most interesting thought leaders and in business people and obviously entertainers. And so you'll be quite surprised. I think Jerry Seinfeld does it every day. Like this. Oh, wow. It's a, a, a quite interesting list of people who swear by TM, Transcendental Meditation. Amazing. I might have to get someone on to talk about that in depth. That sounds super interesting. I've got the perfect person for you. Tim Tim Brown. He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Hook me up. I'm all about wellness as well in this podcast. I think it ties into beauty. Beauty and wellness go hand in hand. So, yeah, would love that. He's amazing. He taught me like 10 years ago and he's, he's like learnt from – it's like this very short lineage of terms of from the very big guru. He's, he's as, as good as it gets. Love it. Thank you. Um, to end the podcast, I have a few random questions for you. I do this with every single guest. It's just like things that I kind of like pull from just researching you and just to end things on a bit of a laugh and – have a bit of fun. Okay, I like it. It's, it's scary. I like it. No, everyone's always scared. I'm like, it's seriously fun. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I love this. Okay, so scenario. You can only wear one outfit every day for the rest of your life. What are you wearing, Catherine? Goodness. That's a, that's like choosing only one child and having to get rid of the other one. Like, how can you? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, I guess I would just have to wear like a midi dress. I know that sounds weird. Because I guess it's for all climates, like winter, summer. Like I don't want to be stuck in a in a hot denim jumpsuit. You know, I love a jumpsuit, but in like summer, I think I'm going very practical on this answer. Actually, now that I think about it, but I think that, and you could dress up with heels. You could wear it with like a cool pair of like summer chunky sandals. Add a belt to it. Go a bit retro. Be a little edge like blazer, buck with a belt. You know, so weird answer, but that's what I'm locking it in. Interesting. That's a good one. I love that. Not what I was expecting from you, but what were you expecting? I was expecting maybe like like a cute short puff puff sleeve mini dress with like a heel every day. I don't, maybe not the heel part. Hi guys, school pickup. There's that mum again. Everyone's talking about. Or like jean, or like a jean and like a heel and a blazer with like I don't know. No, that is that is a more sensible. Like or, I mean, not the first one, but yeah. I don't know. Just from like seeing what you wear, I don't know. I guess I wasn't expecting a midi dress. I don't know why. Super random answer, by the way. So you are correct, not me. Yes. <laughs> um. Second question: What is one accessory? everyone should have in their wardrobe oh my gosh well of course they should have a pair of high heel jungle socks oh very good they can wear it with like loafers like cool like a pair of glitter lurex one with like a lot I, I love like with a chunky loafer it's so so cool you can wear it with like shorts you can wear it with skirt you can wear it jeans like it's just so great we could do like a pair of yummy cashmere ones with it 
it just or a pair of sheer ones that have like handmade details on embellishment to wear with heels at night or with boots that everyone talks to you at the party and asks you where they're from so yeah very versatile which I like yeah exactly very practical and versatile and final question would you rather never wear color again or never wear heels again oh why are you doing this to me <laughs> this is this is like painful this is like Sophie's choice here I love color and I do love heels <laughs> Oh, I can't. I mean, this is really like this is hurting me. These questions. Does this does it normally does this normally hurt people? I was I thought it'd be fun. It's not fun. This is this is torture. Okay. Um. Never wear heels again. Oh. Now listen. During the day, I don't wear heels, but at night time, to go to a party and to never be able to wear heels and then color. I know it's tough. I like to do this to people because I just feel like this is the stuff that people want to know. <laughs> horrible give me a third option like give up I have to give you something that is equal weight otherwise it'll be too easy this is really I don't know um it's actually making me feel really like really sad I'm just kidding <laughs> oh, I'm sorry you're like that podcast was shit. okay it's not real Catherine she's, she's not gonna happen okay I would give up I would probably give up heels I would go I give up heels I could not live without color in my wardrobe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Wow. Okay, we got to an answer. I'm gonna wear heels now for three days now, just because I can, just to just to show you that it's just hypothetical. No. Wow. I'm so sorry. You're gonna like go off like out of this podcast and be like, that was the worst. <laughs> oh my god, they're good though. You're good. You're good. Any memory of me is just gonna be the worst. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> Catherine, you have been so incredible. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I still have so many questions. But for now, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I've actually had so much fun. I forgot we were recording this. <laughs> I did press record, didn't I? And I'm joking. I was going to say, at least we had fun. Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Fashion Avenue. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with all things Fashion Avenue and the latest happenings, you can follow us on Instagram and sign up to our newsletter. All the links are down below and I'll catch you in the next episode of Fashion Avenue.